Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. Um, this uh, podcast is brought to you by you, um, especially my paid subscribers. I make the podcast episodes for free uh, so that it creates maximum reach for the guests and also my brand. Um, but that's made possible by those of you that are paid subscribers. So thank you. That list grows every week. And I'm super proud of that. Um, this is the first episode, as you listen to it, that you may be hearing that uh, since I also made the podcast available on Spotify and Apple uh, podcasts as well. So we uh, continue to expand this format. And uh, so I have with me today someone that I've wanted to have as a guest for a while and one of my dearest, closest friends. Um, I'm joined today by Mike Green outside of not far from Denali National Park in uh, the wild Alaska. Mike is a leadership coach who believes that great leaders are formed in the wild. And a few years ago, back in 2017, having known Mike for a few years, he invited me to Alaska where I had a kind of a, almost like a pilot of a leadership adventure program that Mike uh, leads people through now. Um, and I got to be kind of a charter member of that. And it was really in the last 10 years, one of the most memorable experiences of my life um, with lessons that I will never forget. So thanks for coming on, Mike. Well, I'm grateful to be here and, and thank you for all that you are, do and be for me and others. Well, you're welcome. Um, I'm going to link to your amazing book. It's uh, called Wander Must, which is a badass title um, and about lessons you learned, seven leadership lessons you learned in the seven continents. And how many total countries have you been to? Uh, 63. 63. So that's pretty impressive. Um, you and I met through, um, I think, Shamika, right? No, I introduced you. Shamika. So Shamika was a dear friend of ours that uh, passed away from cancer a few years ago and mm -hmm. is part of Mike and I's story as well. So we always want to give a tribute to the fact that Shamika is part of that. Um, I believe Teresa so, Adams or Sherry Smith from TTI. Uh, yeah, maybe that's right. I do remember my first conversation with you was in a parking lot at a hotel in San Diego on the phone. And there were fighter jets like I think Navy jets and like flying over it. I was having a really hard time to hear you, hearing you. <laughs> anyway, um, so you just a little background. So you um, you've been a coach for how long? I know you're a master certified coach now, but how long have you been coaching? I've been coaching since I was probably twenty years old, so I'm 50, thirty years now. When I say since 20 is when I really started working with people on bettering themselves and setting themselves up for success or at least breaking those paradigms. And mm -hmm. so I would say 30 years. I've been a master certified coach for several years now. Um, and then the world of the ICF, International Coach Federation, they measure things by hours as well, right? Hours and experience. Well, I have over 11,000 documented hours, which is a huge number in the world of ICF. And I'm grateful to be able to have that because it's <laughs> getting the coaching certification is hard, but keeping yeah. track of all those hours is even harder, yeah. <laughs> in my opinion. And, and, and being a, a husband and a father to two boys and writing a book and, you know, mm -hmm. all the things that a good overachiever does. 
So you lived in Saudi Arabia before you moved back to Alaska. How long did you live in Saudi? Like two years? Two and a half years. I worked as an executive coach and leadership facilitator. Yeah. So that's quite the contrast to go from uh, Saudi Arabia to Alaska. So Yeah. And in so many different ways, right? I mean, simple as weather is yeah. the, ob- the most obvious. It's, yeah. it's 123 and, over there right now, and right now it's 52 yeah. and raining. Yeah, weather and freedom. So. Yeah. yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, true. today, just in the spirit of what you do, and um, is we're going to talk about leadership adventures uh, today, and. Um, I, for those of you who don't know, I grew up uh, in the mountains. I grew up on a ranch in Eastern Oregon. I spent most of my childhood camping and hunting and fishing. Um, don't do it. I haven't hunted in a long time, um, but I'm not against hunting. I just, it's expensive and you got to live in a place that you have access to wilderness to hunt really. Um, and, um, but still love camping and fishing and, and all of that. And uh, my trip to with you was one of the, I think the first like real backpacking experience um, that I had and enough to be like, that's definitely the hardest, physically the hardest thing I've ever done um, without a doubt. So um, what was the, before we get into the questions, what was the spark of the idea that you blend like all of this massive, like you have these two like vast banks of knowledge between leadership, coaching and and guiding people into the wilderness. Do you remember when you kind of came up with the idea? It was like, well, what if I blended these two things? Yeah, it's interesting you asked that because I've been thinking about this question for a while and I've had flashes of taking people in the outdoors um, as a performance coach when I began to, 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 to seek accreditation so I was an outward bound instructor for years all over the world. And we would go and take people in the outdoors all the time as part of their experience education. But I never really met anybody who was an adventure coach or someone who would take people out in the outdoors that do it. Mm-hmm. Now I imagine there's people out there that do this, um, but I never met anybody. And when I met you, you were helping me come step into my brand and you're asking me questions and about my background and what I like to do. And then we started, the, the, the vision started to illuminate that, hey, I'm very well versed in the Alaskan bush and I'm a very qualified, good coach. Why not put them together? And uh, so you and I started that years and years ago. And that's when it really started. And now we're just getting to the point now where I'm having clients come and I've actually paying photographers or videographers to follow us along as well to, to capture the moments. That's awesome. So that's a good lead in to the first question is what does the wilderness teach you about yourself? That our self-imposed limitations are just that self-imposed and they are limits. Um, in the outdoors, much like you said, you had uh, it was a hard, one of the physical hardest things you ever did. Well, that's because you had to get through it, right? We had to get to the next point for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And um, too often it's easy to stop or it's, it's too easy to let those self-imposed limitations win. But in the outdoors, if it's cold and rainy, we need to find shelter. 
we're going to find shelter or we're going to create shelter. Mm -hmm. So the wilderness teaches you that um, you can do far more than you ever thought imaginable, both mentally, physically, and spiritually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think for me, um, nature and or, the, or wilderness, it, it, uh, nature kills pretense. Nature does not care about yeah, your okay. opinion, your religious beliefs, your political views. Um, nature does what nature does. I mean, we've seen that with a global pandemic um, and we're seeing it with climate change too. We're, nature's gonna do what nature's gonna do. And I think, I think the, one of the main roles of, of the wilderness and why we need to get out into nature, like really get out into nature is because it will humble us. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you're right on one end, it will show us how unlimited, how limit, unlimited we can be and how our beliefs limit us. And it's, you know, we have, there's so much more we could do. And at the same time, and I think this is the, the paradox of the fact that God or the universe or whatever made us these creatures with a neocortex that are aware of ourselves, yet we also have to survive. Is that on one end, you have this, yeah, you can't, you, you're unlimited based off your mindset. Something that Virginia, my partner, teaches all of her clients about this indomitable mindset. On the other end, if you're not humble, nature will kill you quicker than everybody else. Um, and, and I think that's a huge thing to learn. I think this is why there's a natural correlation between entrepreneurism and wilderness experiences as well. Mm -hmm. um, I think the other thing about nature is that nature has its own pacing. There are no straight lines in nature. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there's certain times things move fast in nature, you know, like a, you know, a, a, a bear coming at you <laughs> moves pretty fast, mm -hmm. but only the last part of it. You know, the first mm -hmm. part, it's like stepping around and rivers flow the way they flow and mm -hmm. birds meander. And we have this illusion of speed and time that, that we've created as we've automated things. We've gone and, and, and created these, where we run everything off of what's called chronos time, which is like sort of human-made mm -hmm. time. And the rest of the world, nature is running on kairos time. It's running on circadian rhythms and patterns and sunsets and sundowns and moon cycles and it's like a different language that's got its own pace. And I think being in nature realize, makes us realize that there are two ways to measure time. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to learn them both. Very well said. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I, would, thank you. I would agree with that because it's when we're out in the bush, um, people ask me, well, how long is it going to take us to get down to the lower cabin? I don't know. Uh, depends on <laughs> a lot of things. You know, we could come across. You know, I've I've been side or detoured before around sow with cubs. You know, yeah. that takes a long time to make sure you get out yeah. of the, the wind pattern. So that's right. that's one of the funny things. In the last, I had two clients this summer so far, and uh, one of them was a woman, and and she um, was asking that question on video. She goes, "Well, how long is it going to take?" I, go, I don't know. And she goes, yeah. okay, then, <laughs> you know, and that's one of the, one of those moments that we yeah. caught that because yeah. so often we're on, as you say, chrono time with our mm -hmm. side or with our reminders and our texts to ourselves, etc. When you get out the outdoors, that's where you begin to uh, strip away all that and find your inner truth. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's that's so true. Um, so that kind of goes to this inner truth. Uh, it was a good segue to the next question, which is, 
you've been doing this a long time. You've been guiding people into the wilderness in some form or another um, into, the, into the wilderness. And so I'm curious, what's the biggest transformation you have seen? Now, I'm going to answer that question a different way, mm -hmm. but obviously you go first. What's the biggest transformation you've seen from where somebody spent some time in the wilderness? Well, most recently, one of my clients, uh, I sent them on their solo on top of a mountain uh, and on a ridge of a mountain. And these people were very driven from the language of one of your past podcasts, very driven. Mm -hmm. Went from being very, very driven to actually making friends with a plant, talking to a plant, a flower for over a half hour to tell him all about it, what's going on. And he had to dialogue with this, this plant to, to really, or this flower to strip away all of that. And it was very transformational for him to the point when I came down, where he came down off the ridge to me, because I'm not going to go up there and get him. He, he knows the way down. Um, he really had a transformation on the three most important things in his life. And that being a, a husband, father, and a owner of a company that he believes will uh, support and protect America. Mm. It's an easy one. It's off the top of my head. But uh, when someone realizes that they want to save their marriage, then they're going to make things yeah. changes. That's pretty profound when they have that realization. Yeah, it does seem like the wilderness reprioritizes things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, I do like the show alone. Um, because, you know, just the, the, the format is super interesting. And there's this, in season one, this young kid from Nebraska, Sam, who was like, I would do anything for just one wedge of an, of an orange, slice of orange. Like, and, and you think about that, you know, wait, I got three yeah. of them sitting on the counter over there, you know, like it's, yeah. it's the, it's that, the, that's that type of thing. And I think that's true with relationships. I think that's true with, mm -hmm. you know, spiritual, spiritual kind of journey as well. And, that's, you know, I have not, I've been in the wilderness many, many times, but I've never guided someone into the wilderness, but I have guided hundreds of people into the wilderness of their soul. Mm -hmm. And I have seen some of the most remarkable transformations about mentoring people and guiding people, whether it was formally they paid me and I was coaching them or mentoring them is usually when it's younger people. And I think the biggest one I saw was um, a young lady that I, mentor that had built this entire like um, construct of a life um, where she was doing all the things. She had the college degree. She had the good job. She had, she was fit. She was, she volunteered. She was doing all the things, but she didn't know who she was. And so as I led her inward into who she really was, it led to this realization of this like massive shift like i i said nature kills pretense and and our inner wilderness is nature too and it was this massive shift about who she really was and what she was really here to do and as is often with people i coach or mentor it's directly related to something that she'd suffered through like she like a struggle that's why mm -hmm. i have tattooed on my forearm you know the mission is in the the mission is in the suffering and I think that's, that's that, that, and there's, I can tell many stories like that, but there's something mystical and magical when you go on that inner wilderness journey and you find out that 
every all the shit you've been through was so that you could bring something into the world of beauty and i think that i mean that's just moves me every time that happens yeah it is amazing and to think about it this way is i'm i'm that guy right i know a guy i'm that guy that when that individual man or woman or on their deathbed and they have a flash of the moment of one of the very powerful moment they will remember me because i'm that yeah. guy you know yeah and i supported that i was i facilitated that i created the space for them to have that moment right and in that moment doesn't come on the side of a ridge sometimes it's just the day of a grueling hike or yeah. a cup of coffee around a campfire honestly where people just have no oh, i i got it i got it that's what they say it happens at different times different ways yeah. yeah it's interesting yeah there was you know there is there is a definite um a definite merging of the mystical world and the material world in in the wilderness too um you know there, there's there's indigenous people were really way more advanced related to that you know we we you know the the the, the idea that there's some sort of spirit, you can say God or energy or whatever, it doesn't really matter, in nature, that can only be found in nature, that you can't find it in concrete and steel. You have to, mm -hmm. you have to go out and, and, and immerse yourself in it. Um, that's why I'm, I'm grateful for like the foresight of people like Theodore Roosevelt and John Muir and mm -hmm. Audubon and, you know, all of these, these people that were like, wait a minute, we need to hold on to this, not just because it's a nice place to go on vacation, but if you destroy nature, you lose touch with that spirit that's in mm -hmm. nature. You, it goes away. Okay. We don't, we can't manufacture that shit. Not, you, we can't do that. We can make beautiful art and music and amazing movies and we create all, we can be super creative, but we cannot replicate the spirit of, of the wild. Mm -hmm. um, so That's right. And that spirit yeah. of the wild lives within us. Sometimes that's right. we need to, to initiate that. And as you were speaking, right. I was thinking about that, that wilderness. And when all of my clients follow the same pattern within the first you know, day or two, they get off the helicopter, get out of the plane usually, and then it takes some time to, to, to de-layer, get all those layers of distractions off so that they can get in sync with that nature's timetable. They get in sync to watch the, the storm come down the valley and come across mm -hmm. and hit us. Or they get in sync of being able to glass using a pair of binoculars, look across the valley and literally see things they did not see before because they weren't in sync with it. And mm -hmm. it takes a time and you have to you have to be humble to go there. Like, oh, I, I'll be able to see anything if I go look across. Or I can get yeah. my raincoat on before it rains. That kind of so much to your point, it does take place and it's a transformation and when they do that and you'll see that there's a big calm that comes across and through that calm is as you say you know the it, it just re reprioritizes things and uh and usually yeah, the first I thing remember. they do is they grab their phone and they're looking around to see if it's got cell service i, I was just gonna say that like i didn't even <laughs> take it i had a little camera but I turned my phone off and I remember you had, you had, I don't know if you still have that Toyota van. 
Yep. I think it was a Toyota, right? Van. Revia. Yeah, and it had, you know, the in the side door or in the pocket on the side, I turned my phone off and stuck it in there. And, and I didn't pick it up for, I didn't, we didn't come back to it for like what, six, five days, six days later, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember in many ways, being disconnected like that was harder than, I mean, it was the, the hike, it's, or the hike itself and the 50 pound pack and all that was, was fucking brutal. But it, 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 the emotionally, the disconnect and not being able to check in, especially as a protector, you know, where my whole world is about protecting the people I love and, and I could not, there was no contact. But I do remember, I think it was probably about halfway through the first day where I just surrendered to it. You know, and this was, I carried with me Ryan Holiday's Daily Stoic uh, daily Reader, and I brought that with me. And, mm-hmm. and this was like my first real attempt to practice something stoic, which is the release mm-hmm. of that which you cannot control. Yeah. Um, and I do remember the relief of getting back and being able to have an, a new kind of gratitude for the technology when I turned it back on, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, and, and I don't, I, w- I probably should do those digital detoxes and stuff, but I'm kind of scared to do that again. That feeling of disconnect is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. So. Yeah. And also think of it this way. I, and I just experienced this recently, I experienced it with my clients, but I just, on my last one, they don't want to turn their phone back on sometimes as well on the other side of it. Right. You know, because, and I coach them on that before, just before we're about to break out of the trail, usually the morning of before we, hike back to the road or the plane comes I say um, are you prepared to go back in into mm-hmm. your day-to-day or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, your life as a father as a as a woman in business as a uh, entrepreneur mm-hmm. etc yeah. and it really takes takes them a while I never even thought of that right they want to they want to text everybody I oh my god this is an amazing experience i've ever had you got to do this you got to do this i'm bringing my leadership team that's what they usually want to say and i say wait a minute before you do all that are you mentally prepared for this because because yeah. it takes time. for me i mentally have to get prepared to go back into into yeah. the grind if you will whatever you want to call it just add blank get into the blank fatherhood husband, yeah. neighbor whatever business owner. yeah I have to yeah. mentally prepare myself so I can show up, but I'm also cognizant of the spot that I'm in and say, okay, mm-hmm. well, when I get to the road, as I hike to the closest place to have a beer, I am going to ease myself back into the mindset that I am a father, husband, and a business owner. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, to your point also, um, after you, and because of your modeling of, of leaving the phone there, I now specifically say in big block, or bold letters leave your phone you will you can leave your phone at my house right um and, and buy a camera buy a real good camera and get used to that because too often our phones even though they're great cameras are a they are a uh an anchor or they are a trigger for people not being able to let go or they are a yeah. trigger to relive something so my last um, that's why I brought the photographer with the woman in the videographer so she didn't have to use her phone and then that's why my second client did not even bring a phone wow. and I as a uh, I as a guide I would never bring my phone out in front of him to you know text my using my Garmin right I had my phone just as, sa- as a safety 
precaution because it's hooked up to my Garmin. So I'm really, really sensitive about anchors yeah. or triggers such as a phone. Yeah, that's interesting. I think also it kind of like, it, it leans you out as far as what is necessary. You know, there's Greg McCown, I think that's his name, that's the essentialism and there's kind of this minimalistic movement and or, uh, that's out there. And, and being out in the wild, like you and I were is, you know, everything that was in that, in our packs, what had to be, was essential. Um, and, you know, and that's why I considered bringing the book essential. I knew we were going to have downtime and I wanted something right. to read that was meaty uh but you bring you you bring like your uh pipe and and mm -hmm. i think you brought like some bourbon like a yeah as yep. i recall like scotch, you know, so it doesn't yeah. mean you have to be just miserable yeah scotch you, it doesn't mean you have to be miserable out there but you know all the shit we carry around literally and emotionally every day most of it we can release really i mean even if it's just for a couple of days um mm -hmm. that's what i always i always realize like basically stress is pressure is real we all feel pressure but stress is optional it's it's a mindset um yeah. and i'm mostly saying that to remind myself of that because i you know i get stressed and worried and anxious and blah 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 well the last question mike is more broad um and around culture and so we'll both answer this a little differently because i haven't been to that many countries but um what is something you learned in another culture that you wish we had more of in the United States? Um, in New Zealand, the Kiwi culture, right? People from New Zealand are called Kiwis. Well, in the New Zealand culture, they work hard, play hard, and they just keep to themselves, meaning that they're not a Sioux happy country where they, they, they just get about their day, right? They're great neighbors, they're great friends, they're great uh, individuals. Uh, but today, I think it's so important that we just take care of what's in our families and, and what that other person's doing. I'll support it, but I don't have to get all upset about it. Or I just think that we need to be more like a Kiwi and just work hard, play hard. And as long as you're not interfering on my rights, you can get along as well as you need to. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, again, I haven't been in a lot of cultures uh, outside of the United States, but I've been to all 50 states and, and Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, St. Thomas. So, you know, I've had exposure to lots of, you know, cultures and, um, you know, every, every corner of America has its, its, its cool parts and its ugly parts, both in nature and in people. <laughs> um, but over the last 20 months or 18, 19 months, I think 19 months with, in my relationship with Virginia, who's a Latina, I've been much, much more immersed in the Latin American culture, even though we live here. Um, and one of the things that there, there, there's, there's a, within the Latin American culture, there is a, a joy. And I remember I remember we went to first time I've ever been to like a pop concert. We went in some um, a Mark Anthony mm -hmm. in, in Austin, and you know there are like nineteen thousand people in there, and seriously, there was like four m m gringos my age, probably me okay. and like th like three other guys that I saw. And I, there could have been more, but generally speaking, when you get like a bunch of white people together, especially white dudes, mm -hmm. not not much good happens. 
you know, you go to sporting events and there's all assholes fighting with each other and drinking too much. It was like a big party. And I thought, and this is funny coming from me who have been accused of being overly serious over the years is to have more fun. It's like, let, let, I mean, it's something Virginia told me, you know, like maybe in our first ever, when we first met, she was, you will never be bored with me. You'll never be bored. We'll always have fun in some way or the other. And that is true. And it's, it's not just her, it's the culture. That culture. And we, it's not like we, we don't have, it's not like we don't, don't have fun in the the U.S., but there's something consumptive about it. And Latin, Latinos and Latin Americans, the fun they're having feels um, like an additive. It feels like it's Mm -hmm. adding to the culture, adding to the environment instead of consuming something. Mm and it's, it's just a special moment. I, I, one, one in particular is this woman, probably in her 50s, overweight, knew every word to every Mark Anthony song and was live streaming on some platform the whole concert. Like, not Mark Anthony, but herself singing. Yeah. I was like, that is so beautiful and sweet. And I just, I yeah. think, man, we could just have more fun yeah. like that. That what would happen right well my wife so, says sometimes i'm not that fun so i need yeah, to have more yeah. fun too you know yeah. the kiwis are great in that regard i love the latina community they're they're wonderful and um i write about it in my book about the the, the kazakh golden eagle hunters they're all about intention they do everything for there's an intention to it and their focus during that is pretty impressive i I do my best to be a Kazakh golden eagle hunter, to be focused on anything that I'm scheduled my time for, right? So uh, being yeah. intentional, I'm 100% with you right now. That's being intentional. So if I had two yeah. things, I hope my boys is that work hard, respect others, as long as they're, what they do doesn't infringe on your rights and say love mm-hmm. you, know, everything's all right. But being intentional. Yeah. That's why my yeah. my language, uh, I never say I'm busy. Oh, I've been busy or I'm busy. No, I'm well-scheduled because there's a, an intention to that being well-scheduled. Yes. There is a, I don't being busy, there is no intention. Yeah, I don't, for, for different reasons, I don't use that term either. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, as usual, my friend, you gave me a lot to think about. Um, and I, I know our listeners are going to love listening to this. And uh, please check out Mike's website. It's linked below. It'll be linked below. Please buy his book. It's if, if you follow Mike on social media, you can see all of the places that people take pictures of the book. It's yeah, pretty cool um, how that's it's got its own little movement and anything that encourages us to get closer to the what, what is the most real, which is nature. Um, humanity is going to benefit from that. So you are making your own bit in the universe, my friend, doing what you're doing. So thank you. I appreciate that. It wouldn't be possible if our friendship did not blossom as it is. And as you go to my website, look for my social media and things like that. In the near future, I'll start, I'll start posting pictures and videos from the outdoors, the Alaska, Alaska leadership adventure. So Lots of good stuff coming from that. Just going through it all. It's it's wonderful stuff. <laughs> Look for my you, caribou. Thing, caribou. You, do you have any um like because of the weather up there? Do you have like a 
a maximum date that you would take somebody out? Like if somebody's listening to this or reads across your website and like, man, I want to do this. Is there like a, uh, where a, 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 like a date where it's like anything past whatever date you're not going to do it and again until next spring? Great question. For the people who like warmer weather, I would go from anywhere between May 15th to September 15th. The closer, the, the closer you're in the center of that, the warmer it will be, right? So May is warming up, June's warming up, July is really warm. And then as you get through into August, it gets cooler and cooler. I'm also doing um, these in the winter now too, because I honestly broke out in, in the wilderness space as a winter survival uh, instructor. So I'm gonna start doing snow machine trips wow. out as well. So we go out into the bush in the snow machines, but we'll go into, you know, much like you experienced, nice cabins that are warm and that are out of the weather. And, you know, so we, we can, so I can manage anybody's physical and emotional needs with All right. good yeah. food, good shelter, and uh, good, good questions. Good cooking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm grateful for your time. Thank you.